Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Love the 80s? Then you'll love Virgin Radio 80s Plus. Chris Evans. Love the 80s. Over on Virgin Radio. 80s Plus. Welcome to the show. Bassus is here. Aloha. And Rachel's here. Greetings. All right, very soon. Ricasti's going to be here. Tell us about Rick, please, Rachel. Well, if you think you've nailed working from home, this guy has taken it to the next level. This is his third album that he has written, played, and produced himself at his home in southwest London. I think we could all take a leaf out of Rick's book, and it's going to be epic. Take a, a leaf out of Rick's garden if he's producing the album from home. <laughs> I've been there. It's gorgeous. His studio is amazing. You'd, you'd want to live in his studio. I suspect he might. All right, also on the show, Gulong Tupton, an actual monk. Tell us about Gulong, please, Vassos. He was an actor and a party harder, and he thought, I'm just going to try and turn my life around. So some people, you know, give up the booze or do... He thought, I'm going to just be on my own. I'm going to go to a retreat and be on my own. Now, even in prison, if you're in solitary confinement, you get to see the guards who give you the food, like in like, The Great Escape. No, no. You know, the guy you're in the cooler. We know what prison is. Yeah. <laughs> um, he spent nine months without seeing another human being on his own. And that and that kind of worked for him. But he thought he just, I'm just not sure. So he went again for four years. Yeah. He's written these books. This this latest one, Hard Book for Hard, Handbook for Hard Times. It's so, so useful. It is a great book. Glasgow Museum, here we go. This is a story, I didn't make it up. Says it's three million pound August. Rodin sculpture is missing. Statue by French sculpture Rodin. Part of his famous Les Bourgeois de Calais group is currently unlocated. It's the official term in <laughs> Glasgow's art word. collection. Disappeared in 1949. So it's nobody's fault who currently works there, but they have said, yeah, we don't, we don't know where it is. Um, we <laughs> actually don't know where it is. It's like misspeaking when you mean lying. Unlocated when you We've lost it. It's unlocated, everyone. Sorry, unlocated. Yeah, the biggest misspeakers, we think, are politicians, don't we? Because uh, the thing about politicians is they, on the spot, they have to come up with an answer because otherwise they look like they're they're sort of unsure and unconfident, which is why they talk a load of balderdash most of the time. However, now and again, when a politician, I listened to an interview last night with somebody talking about the prison system and he was in charge of it for a while under the Tories and then Boris Johnson came in and wanted to get tough on everything because he wanted to look like that leader yeah. and everybody said, well, none of what you're saying is going to work and then now it hasn't worked so all the people who used to have the jobs before him have got the jobs back again. And there was this guy saying, he's quite happy to say, look, I don't know, somebody asked him a question and he said, I, I, to be honest, I don't know how that's going to pan out out. It's probably not going to be very good. It's not going to go well down with the voters. Yeah, no, we're in charge of it. I'm just being honest. You go, like you, like you. Yes, please. Works More for of that. me. Liam Gallagher announces tour playing definitely maybe in its entirety. Liam Gallagher's on fire. So the chance to tour the most important album of the 90s is entirely um, up to him and it's left him bouncing around the house. Uh, he can't wait. The announcement of the tour, which will open in Sheffield before visiting Cardiff, London, Manchester, Glasgow and Dublin, ends fan speculation that the band would reform to celebrate the album's 30th anniversary. That's not going to happen, but he's just going to go out and do it on his own. Because he was saying for ages, wasn't he? You know, 
I've said to Noel, I, Oasis are the greatest rock and roll band in the world. Um, and he truly believes that. And what, good for him. And he was saying for ages, he, he was the one holding out the olive branch to Noel, saying, Noel, you know, he's got my number. And then it just all changed. And it's sort of the other way around now. And it's it's a, there's a bit of poetic justice in there, I suppose. Harrods is selling a £28 sandwich. Do we care? Chili Expert scorches his own heat record with the Pepper X. Is this an Elon thing? Is this a Twitter thing? Pepper X, which used to be called Pepper Twitter. No, it didn't really. It was publicly named the hottest chili in the world by the Guinness um, Book of World Records. Sumo wrestlers present a weighty problem for Japanese airlines. Rail service accidentally sends politicians to Disneyland instead of Parliament. <laughs> I like that. Do you think they'll notice? Do you think they'll get more yeah. done with Mickey and Minnie in charge? I think they might. Didn't they have to shut down? Is it this? Is this, is this where is this? Is it? it was Disneyland Paris. It was on, on oh, the way yeah. to Strasbourg. Yeah, no, did, Disneyland Paris. Which and didn't they have to close down Disneyland Paris over the summer for a week? Didn't they? Did they? they apparently, they found um, they found a huge mouse in the kitchen. Like, <laughs> six foot mouse in the kitchen. What? Smoking a big fat cigar, counting his money. Vassas, off you go. We're no strangers to our next guest. He knows the rules, and so do we. He's the Glastonbury slaying, car fest conquering, billion download superstar who's about to add to the list of things he'll never do. From his new album, Are We There Yet? with his new single, Never Gonna Stop, let's witness the rickness of the one and only Rick Astley. Can anybody stop this feeling? Anybody stop this pain? And that's not really the way it sounds. You'll have to scream it. <laughs> I like it, I don't it, sing man. it down there normally. That was a bit Barry White, but I've got no voice this morning. Oh, well, thank you, ladies, and thank you, Adam, for doing that. Listen, we saved the day. If you can still allow without a voice, let's hear for uh, lack of voice and still absolute genius, full on genius from the control room. <laughs> You're too kind. You literally are too kind. That... I wish we had Madonna in here now, I'll tell you. Well, um, I liked it. <laughs> Did you. I hear a bit of Michael Kuanuka in there? Oh, possibly. possibly. Oh, my goodness I mean, me. I, I love him, by the way. I I think think there's a bit of Big Little Lies going on the yeah. BVs there. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, loved it. Oh, my goodness. So absolutely gorgeous. All right, so tour on the way. New album out. Uh, Rick Astley dot everything for everything <laughs> Rick Astley. Indeed, I would imagine. Indeed, just Google me. All right, what's happening between uh, now and Christmas? Are you Royal Albert Halling again? We are. We're going Royal Albert Hall. We're not doing the Christmas show this year, the Frank Sinatra and the Christmas songs. We're actually going to play uh, songs from the new record, but obviously some of my old stuff as well. I yeah. always play my old stuff. Come on. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to that. I love the Albert Hall. What a, what a pleasure to play there. So yeah, yeah. First and second, I think it is, yeah. No what problem. a laugh. And you're beckoning in Christmas, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love Christmas. We're actually going to go <laughs> to Denmark this year for Christmas. My wife's from Denmark. Our daughter lives there. And she's moving into a new place, so we're going to go and have Christmas there. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, it's kind of, I love Christmas. And to be honest, it's also that thing you build up to it throughout the whole year on a one end. Do you know what I mean? To get together and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. It's so cool. Uh, right, so uh, you are, you know, you are a drummer at heart. There's no getting Ish. away from it. You know, show him a drum kit and, and try and keep him away from it. It's your fault. You showed it to him. Um, name these drums. Okay, so if you get three, if you get one out of three. Okay. You can play um, uh, another song for his okay. life. If you get two out of three, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> if you get three out of three, <clears throat> I will sing the next song for right, you. You're okay, on. here we go. Uh, so, um, name these drums, Rick Astley. I mean, it's 
It sounds like a bad Phil Collins, but is that is that the Phil Collins thing? No, what's no. interesting about it is if we left the last couple of beats off, it, you would say it's in the air tonight by Phil Collins, but right. it's not. And it's the last three beats that that give you a clue. I mean, I know the answer, so it's easy, but I, I would struggle with this. It's that. Do, 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 do. One more no. time. Let it rock. Let it roll. Oh, okay. It's, uh, yeah, I know what it is. I know what it is. It's, uh, okay, we'll come back to that one. Come back to that one. Okay, you might need that to not play another song. Okay, here we go. What's this one? Well, that is Phil Collins. That is Phil Collins. That is Phil Collins. Phil Collins. I, just, I, just, I, just, I just thought it was a, I thought it was a dodgy version of the Phil Collins thing. Are you going to play because... dodgy? You're all right, okay. All right, all right. I'm going right. to give you dodgy. You okay. might give me dodgy this okay. morning, but I'm going to well, give yeah. you dodgy. <laughs> By the way, it's a joke. No, no, listen, come I'm on, joking. man. I'm, f- I'm full dodgy this morning. There's no more, there's nobody more dodgy. By the way, no offense to dodgy. No, no, they, great. I love their band as well. Good enough. Great band. Great band. Um, so this is Phil Collins. Yeah. So you have one out of two, okay. even though you still have a chance of two out of two, because we've put the first question on hold. This doesn't happen in Mastermind, does it? As no. somebody who's been on Mastermind, Bass, mm. he's been on Mastermind. Wow. What'd you come to? I came second. Second. Mm. It's pretty good. Yeah, okay. first. Okay. He's also on the weakest link over. I can't over. remember. Okay. Okay. So you don't care who came <laughs> yes. first, do you? You could say pass on that. <laughs> Come back to that one. Yeah. I'll look it up. Okay. Here we go. Uh, uh, third one. Ah, oh, come on! <laughs> That's EastEnders, obviously. Yeah. Get out of my pub. Yeah. Get out of my oh, pub. Yeah. Get out of my pub! Give us your best get out of my What, me? No, the person behind you. <laughs> get out of my pub! you gotta, mm. you got to mean it. Yeah, nobody's getting out of that pub. Well, I'm trying to imagine. That I can't imagine like a, what my pub is. Do you know what we're hearing there? Yeah. Anybody fancy a lock-in? <laughs> That's what we're hearing. <laughs> that was a good moment in the studio, wasn't oh, it, yeah. when they came up with that? Oh, yeah. So, did they know, Did they have any idea it was going to become that iconic? I mean, how do you think Phil Collins felt when he heard that first? He's thinking, jeez, <laughs> I thought I did all right. Can you imagine if EastEnders started using the Phil Collins? I mean, come it. on. It'd be amazing, it. wouldn't it? I don't think he'd mind. No, I don't think he'd mind. All either. right, anyway, this is the decide. <laughs> this is uh, this is for you not to have to play another song okay. again. Don't let it run. I know, I just can't think let of his name right now. I can't think of his name right now. Um mm. Jack and Diane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, I know what I can't. Oh, come on, Adam, help me out here. Yeah, this we we only need the title of the song. You've just said it. Oh, have I? Jack and Diane. Yes. Is that the title of the song? Is yes. it? Oh, all right. Jack yes. and Diane. I knew that. I was just stalling Can you. Can I just say that I was just trying fear, to build a bit of tension. The panic and the anxiety and the adrenaline has restored your voice, which was my ruse all along. Okay. He's back on form. He's back in the room. Uh, great hearing Rick on the show today. Gabriella says, we're seeing him at Prism in Kingston in a couple of weeks. Nice and local for both of us. I'll be the one screaming the lad. She knows where you live. Yeah, she knows right. where right. you live. Kettle's always on, love. Uh, Lizzie hated in Leeds. Please thank Rick for his Glasgow appearance with the Blossoms doing the Smiths. Absolute highlight for me. I loved that, yeah. Uh, Rich from Totnes in Devon. One of the best things I've ever received was video sent to me by my niece who works for the enemy of Rick. at an intimate gig singing Never Gonna Give You Up with Dave Grohl playing guitar behind him. Just looks so cool. I just wished I was there. You are very fortunate. You're blessed. You know that. I know you know that, Rick. Um, you're blessed to have had the career you've had. Uh, not without its lows. It's a roller coaster ride. It is a ride. That's what life's about for all of us. Choose your heart so you don't get your heart chosen for you. All that kind of good stuff. But these experiences you've had over the last few years with some of your heroes, yeah. can you give us like your top three? Oh, my word. Well, obviously that one in particular, going down to a tiny little club in the East End 
And one of the things, well, all the things I loved about that, to be honest, but um, Rami came as well, the keyboard player in Foo Fighters, but Dave turns up, call him Dave, Dave Grohl turns up. He didn't even bring a guitar. He just walked in the building, no guitar, and just thought, can I borrow a guitar? And it's like, what? who does that? You know what yeah, I mean? He does how that, confident, How comfortable have you got to be to do that? Yeah. And um, it was just mad, and the crowds. It was great as well, because obviously they play football stadiums, and here, here they are. Four or five hundred people just rammed into this place like sardines. How did that happen? How did that come um, about? He just texted me about two hours before they were doing it and just said, "Do you want to come down to the East End and maybe sing a tune?" You know, I said, "Yeah." So I got on the drums at one point because it's like, who's not going to? Yeah, who's not going <laughs> to get on the drums behind Dave Grohl? So I just I played various Foo Fighters songs very badly and great. All right, Tick so that box. A couple of others. Okay, that's that's that one. The Blossoms thing is amazing. I love those guys, and we would play those songs uh, in a pub, in a garage, in their area room we don't have to play them in front of people that's the beauty tell of us it. about your just, relationship with the blossoms though. well i met them when the arena reopened in manchester um noel gallagher was headline and they had a load of people from manchester play i snuck in i got in to play that and um we had a really good time i think we had a really nice evening that and then i met blossoms afterwards um we had a, a drink and we just had a chat and i thought kind of that was it lovely lads but that would probably be it and then they got in touch and we got talking and got chatting I was telling about my love of the Smiths on their podcast. They have this thing called podcast. And they were a bit shocked by that, I think, that I kind of like really loved the Smiths. And they threw that back to me and said, well, we do. And before we knew what we were doing, I'd said I'd always had this dream that one day I would, you know, sing Smith songs for a night, just like, you know, anybody would want to do. I think most people want to do that. No, Adam's looking at me in a very weird way. Um, and, Radiohead, uh, and we did it. Radiohead. <clears throat> No, not that. Just no. not music. You're the guy. It was you. It was you, the guy in the pub. <laughs> music, I don't get it. We'll put the guitar down, boyo. And um, so anyway, so we ended up doing that. And um, it's just, it's a gorgeous thing to do. Love those songs. Love those tunes. And just love doing it. So and not only did you get to do that with Blossoms, but at Glastonbury. Yeah, which I mean, is bonkers. Yeah. All the ingredients yeah. were there, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, and it was amazing. It really was. Could and that have gone wrong at all? Of course it could. And obviously some people probably want to lynch us for it. But no. that's okay. We're doing it from a position of love. And because we love the material and we love the songs and everything about it so it's like yeah that's so. more about them than what mm. you did mm. and give us a third a third um i'm gonna embarrass her now oh no she's gonna kill me right i won't say that oh then. go on no no you no, no no you have to you no. have to well on. my wife manages me and yeah. so we get to share a lot of stuff and and do stuff as a couple right. have you, which is a bit weird for most people because they don't get to do that mm. do you know what i mean a lot of us you know we have really good friends and i'm very close yeah. with these guys and we've had a lot of really good fun around the world and this that and the other but it's pretty amazing when you can look over it at your your wife and and vice versa and she do that is your well. rock like, she is yeah so I just thought I'd embarrass her there. She's no, gone. you were going to say something else, and you've, you've, you, I'm not going to fall for that. Come on, what were you going to, what were you actually going to say? What do you mean? You were going to say something else. Was I? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, well, I, what, do you, what do you want me to announce that I love her on the radio? Of course, I love her on the radio. No, sorry, I thought you were going to no. say it. Talk about a performance, or is it? Is no. it it's the fact you work with her the whole time. No, because we work together and right, we share sorry. that moment. And I we apologize. no, 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 it's fine. And and I no, but I'm serious. I look around when we travel and stuff. I, I don't feel guilty about it, by the way. But I do look at it and like we'll be somewhere amazing, or you know, like shooting the video last week. Right. We shot a video with Simon Pegg, by the way. Wow. Oh, we'll get into that another time. Um, and like, and I just think how great it is that we get to share that and sort of build that. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's kind of helped me, you know, get my career back on. You know, where where I get to do really great stuff. The tipping point for for Rick 
too, if mm. you like. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so the tipping point for it one would have been never going to give you up. Had to be. Sure. Uh, would it? Would it be the PTK tour, or was it pre that? I think the Peter thing really, really helped because obviously he played for billions of people. He, right. He was at the arenas of of the nation for months. You know, we did two and a half months, I think, in Manchester was that alone. Just a right laugh. It was. I mean, for us, it was also. <laughs> it's a pretty. It's a daunting thing to go up and do that because, like, you know, there wasn't a curtain, but the curtain drops. And everyone's like, what's he doing here? You know, and then obviously social media, a few, yeah, a few yeah. nights in, people got it and went, okay, whatever. And they either stayed in the bar or they came in. Most of the time, they kind of came in and just got involved. Brilliant. Um, but it was an amazing thing to do. I mean, I think we actually watched his show. Honestly, we probably saw it like maybe 75, 100 times, I think. Always funny. Yeah. And Always even though it's funny. kind of like him doing his thing and it's him doing the same sort of show every night, it's kind of different. It's well, weird. Because you know like it's the same with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it was amazing. amazing. It's just funny, isn't it? When you see somebody else doing something similar, you don't think that's the same. But mm. it is the same. Um, Rick is here because he has a brand new album out. It's called Are We There Yet? It's out now. And also, we're booking a tour at rickastley.co.uk. And the tour is kicking off in, well, there's some dates in October, actually, in a couple of weeks' time, in one week's time. And then in February, all next year, um, you're going to Nottingham, Newcastle, Leeds, Cardiff, Glasgow, Bournemouth, Birmingham, Manchester, Belfast, Dublin. Get tickets while you can once again for the tour at rickastley.co.uk and the album is out now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Give us a big intro, please, Vassal. He's the former party animal turned <laughs> Buddhist monk and best-selling author who's about to help you fearlessly face the future. His new book, Handbook for Hard Times, is out now and already a top 10, top 10 bestseller. So let's say, hey, hey, we're the monk. It's Geelong Tupton. How are you, Tupton? I'm well, thank you. <laughs> It's good to see you again. Great to see you. Thanks for this book. The last book was amazing. This book is is as amazing, if not better. It doesn't have to be better, does it? Handbook for Hard Times. You know, it is such a light read. You know, it, it's um, it's but it's a big, weighty subject, and it's all about meditation. We'll get there in a minute. But for people who don't know you, um, you've been on the show before, of course. Thank you for coming again. Um, what's it like to, to to be on your own for nine months in a solo retreat? What is that like? It's more stressful than you would think. Mm. I mean, you, you would think that going into a retreat is a kind of escape. Yeah. Oh, get away from it all, no phones, no internet. And then you're there with your own mind. So the first retreat I did was nine months. Then I did one that was even longer. It was four years. Yeah. And in both situations, I was surprised at how difficult it was. Because there you are, backed in a corner with your own thoughts, your own emotions. And you have to start to, to deal with the things you've maybe been using distraction to run away from. So yeah. even as a monk, you, you, can, you can use distraction. You know, you, you get involved in all kinds of work and teaching and doing other stuff, and you don't really look at yourself. And in retreat, that's when you get to take a good look. Nine months on your own, solo retreat. I mean, that is something. Give us three things you found out about yourself 
in that, that particular meditation, that retreat rather? That was my first retreat. I w- I'd only been a monk for a year. I was very new and I found out, I think what I found out most in that retreat is how much self-loathing I had. Yeah. You know, I went in there and just this voice of you are no good, you're rubbish, you can't do this, became louder and louder and louder and really oppressive. And for me, it's always been a process of learning to well, first of all, you start trying to push that voice away. You try and just push your pain away. And for me, it's always been a process of learning how to meet that with compassion mm. and how to be okay with that. But it, it's really difficult at first. Let, let's Okay, we'll go. Let's, let's just get straight into that now that you've mentioned it. So we all experience discomfort, but the distress is in trying to push away the discomfort. Discomfort is natural. But we bring on the distress ourselves by trying to push this thing away. And it's that exhausting, um, redundant, ultimately, uh, reaction that is our downfall. Yeah. In my book, I give a quote from Carl Jung who said, what you resist persists. Yeah. So that is the, the, the problem is that there's pain and discomfort. And then on top of that, there's our resistance, our emotional reactions to the pain and discomfort. How would it feel just to experience it directly without that filter of resistance? It would be very different. Yeah, and not only does that which you resist persist, it actually grows. Yeah. You're holding a magnifying glass over it. Yeah. You think you're doing the opposite, but you're not. And that's kind of how we're living our lives. We're chasing pleasure and running away from displeasure, and the chase just gets more yeah. and the running away gets more. Until we stop and sit and take a look, we're always on this kind of run, running yeah. towards and running away from. It's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, as we pursue pleasure and you are what you pursue and all this kind of stuff, um, your the, the discomfort is in the car park doing push-ups waiting for us to return because it's just going to stay there, isn't it? It doesn't go anywhere. It's a habit. If we have a habit of resistance, there's always going to be something there to resist. Yeah. It, until we look at the habit, you see, we keep looking at the things we're resisting. Yeah. But meditation is where you turn around and look at the resistor. Hmm. Until we do that, there'll always be something. Because then you talk about this Rangan Chatterjee. By the way, Rangan, if you're listening, thanks so much for having tubbed in on your podcast because that's why he's now on the show. And thank you for giving me your annotated book that you used to research and interview. I really love you for that. I'll see you at the weekend. Can't wait to see you. Um, but talk, speaking to that, what Rangan said on his podcast, and I've got to give this to him, is that sometimes the discomfort does disappear for a while, but we then have to create more discomfort because we, come, we become addicted to pushing this thing away. We, 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 we practice or we become what we practice almost. Yeah, I think we get addicted to the, the resistance and the distraction. And I think also, I mean, we know that we're living in a culture now which piles the distraction on us. There's this completely invasive nature to information now. We, we've got our phones, we've got everything going on that is sort of invading us with messaging that tells us be happy, don't be unhappy, you're not good enough, yeah. all of that. So we're just being constantly conditioned like that. Yeah, and then comes an advert five <laughs> seconds later. And, and by the, the advert way, tells you, you might need this. And you might need this because yeah. you're not good enough without it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we talked about the nine-month solo retreat and then there was the four-year group retreat. So, so I mean, they're pretty... You think, okay, four-year with four years retreat with some other people, nine years on my own. Pretty even Stevens, one would imagine, <laughs> in a way, you know. But you found the four-year retreat harder than the nine-month retreat. Well, it's longer. And, and you it is a group retreat, but you're alone a lot. And right. during the second year, you take a vow of silence for five or six months. What? You are very much alone in there, in your room, meditating all day. And it really is you and your mind and 
there is nowhere else to turn but inside and to look at what's going on and to somehow work with that otherwise it it gets you what's okay not saying anything out loud for six months walk us through that by the time you do that you've already been in retreat for a year and a half so you're kind of ready for the silence you want to go deeper you you <laughs> you and, and don't you find that the thought of something is much worse than the thing itself? So the thought of doing five or six months silence is just impossible. And then when you do it, you just do it. We're much, I think we're stronger than we think, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get think. it. I get it. Of course. Of course. Rachel. You've done the nine months, did the four years. Do you see another one coming for you in the future? I'd like to. I'd like to do more retreat. At the moment, I'm very much in the phase of uh, writing and giving uh, like talks and classes. That's what I do at the moment. Who knows in the future? Um, I'd like to do sh maybe shorter retreats on my own. Maybe every winter do a short retreat. Yeah, I, yeah. I think retreats are a very valuable thing, but I also don't want people to to think, oh, that's what you have to do. No, don't worry, we'll get there. Do you know, it, should, but I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, it's it's a way, it's, it, maybe it suits people who are a bit extreme. Yeah. I'm an extreme kind for of person. Sure. And so for me, I was extremely wild before I was a and monk. And you, re you really were wild. You yes. left nothing on the pitch, did you? No, I mean, I was... Literally I, not. You Didn't you go to bed for like four months after I that? I was very ill. I had a ma major burnout. And that's what turned me into a monk, was I had brought myself to my knees with wild living and also horrible amounts of mental suffering mm. that I didn't know how to deal with. Yeah. And I became a monk, which is quite an extreme move, but I was only going to do it for a year. That was the plan. Then, of course, I stayed. So then with my extreme character, going into these deep retreats kind of suits me. Um, but I was quite surprised at how hard they were. He is the ultra-athlete of retreats. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. It, I suppose, you know, you say you, you never think you could do it and then you do it and you're just doing it. I, I mean, the idea of not speaking for six months, I actually I want to make a vassal-shaped hole in that door, you know, but it just... But I suppose you don't, you don't talk for a minute and then it's another minute and another minute and it's like running a 100-mile race, you know? You're Very just, similar, yeah, I think. You're just, you're running that, you're, you're in the moment that you're in. And also you're doing a lot of meditation. You're not just stuck in a room silence, silent. You're, you're meditating, so you have this urge that you want to go deeper and you want to be less distracted because you really want to start to understand yeah. your mind. Okay, so Tupton will get us to meditation before this conversation is over, I promise. But before that, more just intriguing stuff from an observational point of view. The four-year meditation, this is so interesting, this bit. The four-year meditation that Tubton went on was at a particular time during which we all became seduced and hypnotised by the smartphone. So basically, when Tubton went into this four-year retreat, we weren't looking at our phones. We had mobile phones and we could text and stuff like that. But the four years that he was there, I re he, you came out and it was a different world, wasn't yeah, it? Just yeah. tell us about that because you didn't see... We were, we were all um, sort of uh, uh, sautéed. We were slow boiled weren't we into it but you just you came you went you left one world and you came back into a different world yeah it was quite a shock it was it, i was on this scottish island and no no internet nothing in retreat and then i come back to london and everything has changed as you say during those four years there was a huge speeding up in technology what, the year, smart, what years were they 2005 to 2009 so the smartphone revolution social media all of that youtube it all happened in one Blackberry, Blackberry sales peaked in 2007. So that's where we are. Yeah. That's where we I, were. I came out of that retreat, arrived in London. First of all, everybody's got these huge phones. 
and their faces are buried in it. I thought I'd landed in some kind of zombie apocalypse. Unbelievable. Everybody's wandering around with their face buried in a phone. And just the speed of things really shocked me. I was on the tube going up the escalator and those little ads on the side are all digital moving images. Just that subtle change yeah. made me feel a bit more. I mean, nauseous. you would have felt an acceleration in life anyway coming back from a retreat, yeah, but anyway. it was a thousand X. Exactly. Anyway, it would have felt shocking to the system, but there's this new speed and new um, kind of level of urgency around information. You have to look at it right now. And also I started to look at how how the information we receive is kind of tinged with a lot of emotional um, energy triggering. around triggering our anxiety, triggering our sense of lack, our sense of loneliness. All of those triggers are embedded in the material we see. This must have been so frustrating, dare I say, infuriating for you to see. Go, oh no, look what's just ha- look what's happened, and nobody can see it. And it's not our fault for not seeing it. It's not that we're blindfolded or we, you know, um, we have uh, earplugs in. It's just you don't know when it's happening to you. Yeah. Yeah, we don't see it build up. Yeah. So maybe I had a different perspective because of being away and then coming back and, and seeing the, the change. And I started to think, what is this doing to people's mental health? Because yeah. our brains haven't had time to catch up with that new speed. Well, then we're not wired for it. No. This is the first yeah. time in, in humanity where technology is over, overwhelmed and will continue to overwhelm our own wiring because we were better than everything else. Now, we are still better, but not at one particular um, uh, discipline. And they seem to have got us surrounded where that discipline's concerned. Yeah. And, and I think the, the monetization of it has created information that you can't really trust because you know it's leading you in through yeah. a, you know, clickbait headlines. It's so hard because it's there at it 24 7. It's very addictive. We're, we're amateurs. The, the language used is addictive, it gets you into it. And yeah. then there's ads, and, you, and you're sort of seduced by that. Um, I mean, I'm not here to bash technology. There's nothing wrong with it per se, but it's it's a bit like we we don't with food. We 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 wouldn't just overeat all the time. No, and cars we, are great as long as you don't drive into people on purpose. And with technology, what we maybe we need a bit more um, discipline in how we use it yeah. to protect ourselves. Yeah, hundred no, percent. It's like smoke, it's smoking, isn't it? Smoking. 50, 60, 70 years ago. Right, that's enough of that. Um, Let's talk about uh, this handbook for hard times. Okay, so it is a handbook. It is a playbook on how to meditate. It's so simple. At the end of every chapter is a meditation practice. Honestly, if you've never ever done it before this is this could be your your key your key to the magic or your keys to the magic kingdom. You now want us all to meditate for 10 to 15 minutes a day because you know the magic within. I meditate twice a day. You meditate a lot more than I do. We know the benefits of it. Can you give the the sexiest sell ever to try and get people over the line, please, Tubton? I think people, uh, many people are interested in meditation, but they're scared to try because they've tried it and they found it really difficult. And why did they find it difficult? Because they thought they were supposed to sit there and clear their mind. So they sit there and you, you try and stop thinking. And of course, it's completely crazy because the more you the more you try to push away those thoughts, the louder they shout. So then the meditation becomes like a battleground and nobody wants to do it. It's actually much easier than you think. It, it's about being focused and being present. But the thoughts and emotions that come up are really useful yeah. because they make you stronger. Yeah. They are the weights on the bar in the gym. They are. Distraction is your friend. It absolutely is because 
the whole point is to keep coming back into the meditation from distraction. Every time you come back to your breath or whatever technique you're using, you get strong. So that means you have to have somewhere to come back from. Yeah. The thought that took you away is yeah. the very thing that brings you back. Therefore, it makes you stronger, not weaker. And the louder the thoughts come whilst you're attempting to meditate, the better you're getting because the more desperate they are because they have to turn up their volume. And they get louder just before they become quieter. I think that they are friends, not enemies. Yeah. I think they are, they are the thoughts that come up are helping us to deepen our mindfulness, our awareness. Um, also, that that's just the first stage, you know, coming back to the breath, but eventually the meditator learns to be the observer of the thoughts. And once you can learn to just observe, you, you can go deeper. And then the thoughts and emotions, particularly suffering, can become the meditation. I mean, that's what my book is about, is how to lean into pain and lean yeah. into discomfort. So you're not trying to get rid of anything, yeah. you're working with it. And you work with it, and if you don't resist it, as you say, you combine forces with it, you realise it's all the best energy that you could ever wish for, having a different kind of day. And once you understand it, and once you hear it, and once you shake it by the hand or hold it by the hand, and you go for a little walk or a wander together, it melts away, which is what you're, you always use that phrase, it melts away. And, you know... We don't think, we are not thinking, we have thoughts. You know, when people say, oh, you're angry, you're not angry, you're having anger. And if you can look at everything from a point of possession as opposed to being encumbered by it or inhabited by it, that's when you get the separation and the grace and the space that you need to just take a breath. Why do we always use our breath? Well, breath is one thing. There are, And in my book, I give lots of options. Breath is the easiest because it's completely portable. Yeah. It goes with you everywhere. But the main point is that when you're focusing on one of your senses, such mm. as your breath, you're using a different part of your brain to the part that thinks and ruminates. And they are competing brain areas. Only one can be active at the same time. So the breath gives you somewhere to come back to, which makes you present, but that's not the aim. The aim is not just to become really good at breathing. It's simply a technique to get you to be less invested in your own storyline. Yeah. And once you can learn to let go of the stories, you can work with the feelings directly. And that's when the real work starts. Now, you, everybody's thinking, you must be really good at meditating. And you are really good at meditating. But it can come back to bite you at any point. You can fall off the off the bus at any point or fall off your perch at any point you too are distracted all the time you say this and you welcome that distraction and not only that you are not an enlightened being no um how close have you been have you uh, have you snuck a glimpse of enlightenment not at all oh come on Thompson. jeez <laughs> I'm here first to, years of meditating I'm, I'm, oh, i hope it's for the rest of us i'm here to disappoint you i'm definitely happier than i was and yeah. i i have much stronger ability to deal with the suffering I experienced than mm. I used to. So for me, the big turning point was in that four-year retreat. The first two years, I was really suffering with horrendous amounts of anxiety and depression and kind of oscillating between the two. And what changed for me, which has become the kind of birth of this book, is how to move into those feelings without pushing them away yeah. and to give that part of myself compassion. Yeah. I used to really, really dislike myself. I know. And now there's much more of a sense of self-acceptance, which to me is a life changer. If you, it, Within the emotion is energy. It's our energy. It's us. And if you push that away, you're pushing away your energy, which is why you become so exhausted. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, the emotions and thoughts are part of us. They're not to be pushed away, but we need to make friends with them. We, In a way, we need to be in the driving seat rather than being driven. Yeah. So meditation helps us to gain more power over ourselves. Yeah. But it's not about getting rid of anything. It's about working with it. I always try and think of the example of um, rotten vegetables that you turn into compost. You don't chuck them away. You make your fields grow. Yeah. So the, the worst parts of ourselves, the parts that we reject. The smelliest parts the, the of the bits we're ashamed of, the bits we can't stand, those are the juicy parts that can help our meditation That's to grow. That's where the nutrition is, isn't it? That's exactly. where the gold is. Exactly. Um, all, the all the chapters have different titles. Uh, so Hard Times, Fearless Living, Meditation, Emotions, just talked about those, The Observer, Acceptance, Compassion, Forgiveness, Sickness and Courage. If you had to pick one of your children there to talk about, would it be acceptance? I think acceptance is the key. And I always thought... Because my teachers always used to say you need to accept. And I thought that means, oh, you have to kind of put up with it, like grim resignation. I didn't realize until later that acceptance means embracing this moment with love, with compassion, making friends with your reality, being okay with yourself. It's a much more dynamic process than just sitting back and being passive. Yeah. And so I've worked with this with emotional pain, but also physical pain. So I wrote most of this book while having COVID and long COVID and being very ill. And these techniques really saved me because I, I found ways to, to be with the sensations in my body and be okay with that. Yeah, acceptance is not acknowledgement. You don't acknowledge an invitation, you accept an invitation. Yeah. You don't, stu um, universities don't acknowledge students, they accept students. There's it's, a welcoming. It's different, isn't it's it? It's welcoming. It's a welcoming in, Yeah. come in. And, and you might think, oh, if I welcome my pain, surely it will get stronger. But of course, it's the opposite it is because what you resist persists. We have like a minute um, left you got to buy the book, everyone. Hard book for hard times. And just get into Tubton. Um, get into his world. Why wouldn't you? Get into his wonder. Just give us anything you want. The, the, give us a minute of anything you want. It's up to you. Well, I just think that, that we're living in times when we're so conditioned to you have to be happy. We're not even sure what that happiness is. I mean, is it in material things? Is it relationships? What is it? And it always feels so elusive. And I think that this has made us more frightened of discomfort. So I think we're, we're so obsessed with feeling comfortable all the time that the tiniest discomfort completely freaks us out. And I, I called the, the book's called Handbook for Hard Times, but the subtitle is A Monk's Guide to Fearless Living. And I think it's very powerful if you can learn to work with fear and go through it and become fearless. How would it feel to be in these challenging times, but to be fearless, to be strong? It's not about being passive or switching off. It's about being able to face your reality with courage, with interest, with curiosity, and with compassion. That's what we need more than ever. We're so, disconnect we're so connected and so disconnected, aren't yeah. we? If we can learn to love others unconditionally, and to train that muscle, the muscle of love, unconditional love, that would make the world a much better place, wouldn't it? It's a great position to be in, and you can just do it for, from a bit of meditation. The great thing about meditation is the first glimpse you have of what it can provide and, and fuel you with and arm you with on a daily basis means that you know how it feels and you know that it exists. And then the more you meditate purposefully twice a day, once a day, hopefully twice a day in the morning and the evening, you then, it's like when somebody takes the stabilizers off your bike. One time in the middle of the day when you're not meditating, it will come and help you out because you have flexed that muscle. Absolutely. And that that, that is a gasp 
moment. I, the first time it happened to me, I went, oh my goodness me, that's because I meditate. I just did that because I just didn't react because I meditate. Well, it's like going to the gym. You, you go to the gym. It's not that your muscles then deflate when you leave the gym. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they go with you. And the other thing about meditation is it's not only about sitting down, doing the breathing or whatever. It's those moments. Mm. I talk about micro moments of mindfulness. You yeah. know, you're driving your car, you're stuck in traffic, you're standing in a queue, you're sitting behind your desk. You can take a moment to be present. And that can become a habit. It's like you, you drop you, little drops of mindfulness throughout the day keep you one step ahead of yeah. the suffering. If you are going to use your phone for anything, set the alarm. Why not? Once every hour. Make oh. the phone work for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, it should do, shouldn't it? It shouldn't be the other way around. Um, we've, got to, we've got to finish now. Very quickly before you go, there used to be that advert for Purcell. Do you remember that advert for Purcell? They used to knock on the door, the Purcell Challenge, and they used to give you some Purcell for your old washing powder and come back a week later. Then they would offer you like loads of boxes of your old washing powder back or one more box of Purcell. Everybody took the Purcell. The same has been proven by scientists for four or five days of meditation, hasn't it? You may not notice yeah. yourself, but they've done um, neuro um, scans. MRI, MRI scans, scans, EEG. And they say within three or four days, yes. even though it's amateur meditation, yes. there's a change in the pattern of the Ten brain. Ten minutes a day after four days, you can see difference in a scanner. Goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. You're the best. Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> what did you get a monk for his birthday? I don't know. You put me on the radio. Okay. okay. <laughs> Buy his book. Uh, all the money goes somewhere very worthwhile. A handbook for hard times, a monk's guide to fearless living by the brilliant Tupton. Gulong, Tupton. Love music? Love interviews with lovely musicians? Search Virgin Radio UK on YouTube to find brilliant album specials with some of the shiniest lights on our playlist, including George Ezra. This is going to be something I'll remember. And that's a really lovely thing. I don't think I was able to do that in the past. And James Bay. Come on, lady. Don't you agree that everybody needs someone when they feel alone? Watch all that and more at youtube.com slash UK. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.